Welcome to the Church on the Rock podcast. It is our prayer that this message brings hope and encouragement into your life as you go about your week. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome, Church on the Rock. Glad to see everybody today. I'm excited about the series we're in. We're in a series called Mirrors. It started out with Braden kicking us out of the gate, did a wonderful job with that. And then I came in and preached about God most holy. And then the next week, we preached about God most loving. And then last week, Carmen preached on God most faithful. So we're beginning to learn different characteristics and different attributes about God and and his character and who he is and what he's all about. And the idea is that we'll understand God in a greater way, and then we'll be able to reflect some of those characteristics. So uh, we're excited about that time and this series that we're in. Today, I'm going to be talking about God most just. We're going to be talking about his justice. We're going to be talking about, does God have anger? Does he have wrath? Is there vengeance in the Lord? And different things like that. You know, we love to think of Jesus as advocate, and we love to think of Jesus as defender, but it makes us a little uncomfortable and a little skittish when we think about God as a judge. How many would agree with that? When you think of him like that, modern culture doesn't like to think of God in the terms of wrath that he has wrath or that he could be angry or that there's a judgment that comes from him. You know, modern culture likes to make God according to their own ideas and give God some characteristics that they want him to possess. They want to, man tries to remake God and say, hey God, I want you to be conformed. I want you to be like this. I want you to be like my thinking or my wish, wishful thinking. And I think what the reason that is, is it makes man more comfortable with where he's at in life or the sin that might be in his life. Modern God, the modern God has attributes. The God that we serve, he is loving, and he is merciful, and he is forgiving, but he also is just, and he's also holy. Man doesn't want to be judged or punished for their sin, so so we reconstruct a God uh, along the lines or he's tolerant, he's all-embracing, and he has a universal goodwill. How many would say that is important, that God is that, that he has universal goodwill, that he is embraces everyone, that he is tolerant, that he is loving, that he is merciful. How many believe all that? That he is patient, that he is kind, that he is gentle, that he is long-suffering. But there's a, if we only picture God in that way, where we don't see God as holy, because he is holy as much as he is love. If we don't see God that as much as he's merciful, he's also just. If we picture God where there's no laws and there's no demand for obedience and no standards, then our world would just spin out of control, I believe. You know, I believe that a little fire is good. I believe that a little fire. I believe that a little fear and a little bit of reverence is good. And I kept hearing the Lord say, Brian, I want you to be a little fiery today. I, I want you to, to show this side of me to humanity. And this past week, Carmen and I went down to Missouri. Uh, there was an unfortunate incident uh, where Carmen, one of her, uh, she had like two best friends in high school. One of them had a routine surgery, got a blood clot and died. And so Carmen and I rushed down to Missouri this week. But something that 
something happened to me in that funeral. Something happened to me when I, when I saw that pastor stand behind that pulpit. And I was looking at how, how all the attention was on him and how everybody in the congregation was looking to him for direction. They were looking to him for comfort. They were looking for him on, on give me some sense or some reason. They were looking to him for direction. And, and the Lord like took that guy out of my mind and in a vision placed me in front of that congregation. And the Lord said, Brian, when you fill that pulpit, that, that you have to notice that people are looking to this pulpit at Church on the Rock to reveal God to them in the most truthful way and the most balanced way and the most full way. And I'm telling you today, you hear from this pulpit that God is loving. You hear from this pulpit that he's kind, that he's tolerant, that he has goodwill to everyone. But also from this pulpit, I want you to know that he is a holy God, that, that, that sinfulness cannot be in his presence. And it was for that reason he wanted us to be in his presence, that he sent Jesus Christ. And if you think that you can come moseying into the presence of God by your own accord and your own works and your own integrity and your own uh, uh, holiness, then you are wrong on that. Only in the blood of Jesus can we even be in the presence of God. The holiness of God is so magnificent and is so great that angels that are created in a sinless way, they stand 24-7 with their, and they take their wing and they cover their eyes from the presence of God and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. There's a holiness about him. There, God is all that. God is all that. But we can't let modern culture and we can't let people wanting to get comfortable with sin and, and, and indulging in, in the lust of this life and the pride of this life and the lust of the eye to where we just love people straight to hell. We need to also know that there is a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And as much as he is love, he's also justice. Jude chapter, Jude is only one chapter. Verse 22 says this. And some, of, and some, when you're talking to people, I like this in KJV, it says, and some have compassion making the difference. Have compassion making the difference. KJV on this, please. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You know what that tells me? Witnessing, you just can't put God in a box and say, I'm going to witness to people like this. I'm always going to witness about the love of God, the mercy of God. Sometimes people need a size 12 on their hiney, and they need to know the holiness of God. And sometimes people need to be, look at that scripture, dangled over the pits of hell. Some, some, some. This is, this is a message that, that, that the church has lost. Some have compassion making the difference. Compassion's this distinction. Don't kick them while they're down. They need understanding. They need, that's why you have to have discerning of spirit. But sometimes you need to, you need to, Put your fingers on a man or a woman's chest and say, you need to straighten up and you need to square your shoulders and walk worthy of the calling that's on your life. 
There are times you need to say, you need to tap people on the, on the, on this chest and say, hey, God's a loving God, but you don't have to be acting like you are. You need to straighten up and you need to, to, to conduct yourself in a different way, manner. We're so coddly and so all the time where we, where, where, where people can just soak and sit in a lifestyle in a way and just say, oh, that's just the way I am. No. At this church, as I looked and saw that man trying to give truth and direction to a body of people, it's a fearful thing for me as a pastor to stand before God and there be an account on how did you deliver my message? What did you tell people? How did you tell them? Did you warn them of my justice? Did you warn them of their future? Did you warn, the, did you warn those that were wayward? Or was it just love, 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 grace, 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 understanding, understanding, understanding? He is all that. Are you all with me today? I, we got we, we, we to see God in his fullness. You know, I, I wouldn't give anything to change that I grew up Methodist. Uh, I, I like that I grew up Methodist. I like it that my first church was a Baptist church. I like it that my second church was a full Pentecostal church. I, I like it when, 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 when I mean, I, I'd never been around it like that. Now as a pastor, I, I like all the back that I've got. I like it that I served it. I, I've, I've pastored in a Methodist church. I never cared what was on the door because the same message shouldn't work under every roof. I never cared. But what it did is it gave me a balance because there's some things that the Methodists are getting right. There's some things that the Baptists are getting right. And there's some things that the Pentecostals are getting right. There's some things that the non-denominational are getting right. And if we can get off our political party and quit being a, are y'all with me today? I'm telling you, even in politics, people are more concerned about Republican and Democrat instead of right and wrong more concerned about their party. Well, the same thing in the churches. There's the Baptists have some good things. The Pentecostals had some good things. The Luther. And I, I wouldn't change it because to me, that brought a fullness. A fullness. Like a while ago, Justin said, um, some of you are sacrificing maybe driving a car or something to, to, um, so you can give to the Lord and you're practicing God first living. Now, us faith people are like, oh, no, I don't receive that, man, because, because the more I give, the more I'm going to receive. But let me tell you something. Justice mess, Justin's message was right, just like my, what I just said is right. That's what I'm talking about with, sat, with, with, with balance, you that are givers, there are times that you give and it is sacrificially. And you are giving up things to be able to do that. But yet when somebody says that, us in the other camp, we're like, oh, bless God. Ooh, I don't receive that, man. I'm a person of faith. I'm calling them. They're both. They're both right. They're both right. Yeah, you are supposed to. I believe God wants you to have the best. I believe you can't outgive God. And I believe the reason some people's finances aren't blessed is because they're not honoring God with their first fruits. I believe that. And I believe when you do honor God with your first group, that you won't have to drive around and have the least, that God will give you the best. God's told me in this church to quit doing second best. 
and to quit doing it second and thirds. I'm not going to, we're not in a season set around and say, hey, let's just sacrifice and da, da, da. We're in a season where God's calling us through the best. But there are times that everything was a sacrifice. So let's have a little balance here. Some, you win with compassion, love, mercy, and long-suffering. But some of you, even with your own kids, some of you parents have been long-suffering long enough. It's time to cut off and quit enabling. Some of you have been playing patty cake with the sin of the flesh long enough. It's time to mortify the sins of the flesh and quit running home to daddy, daddy, forgive me of everything. Stop sinning. Stop it. You've gotten the power to where you don't have to do it. Balance. Balance. It's balance. And I'm called to preach balance. Even today I said, Lord, you'll thin out a church. You start preaching on fear and hell and, and, and that God's the just God and that sin will be recompensed. Boy, ooh, geez, nobody wants to hear that because we want to be stroked all the time. But brothers and sisters, listen to this. Warren Candler, Warren Candler was a young man practicing law. He defended a man, true story, accused of murder. This young lawyer went all out in his effort to clear his client of this charge. There were some extenuating circumstances and and Candler made the most of them in the plea before the jury. He said this to the jury. Today, Christ is our lawyer. This was his final thing. Pleading on our behalf. He is a savior. He's willing to forgive even this man and to cleanse and forget this. However, there is coming a fearful day when he will also be the judge. That was his closing argument. Also, he took advantage that this was a small town and the aged father and mother were sitting there in the courtroom. Um, in the courtroom. And the young lawyer moved on the sympathies and the emotions of all the people, the jury, because they knew mom and dad. And the frequent references that the Christian lawyer kept saying about God, fearing parents. In due course... The jury reached a verdict. They hit the gavel and they said, not guilty of murder. True story. The young lawyer, himself a Christian, he set this young man down and had a serious talk with him as he cleared his client. And he looked at him and he warned him to steer clear of evil ways and to get around away from those people that take you in that way. And to trust God's power to keep it straight and to continue your life in Christ. He led him to the Lord. Years passed. Years passed. Again, the man was brought into court. Same man. Again, the charge was, what do you think the charge was? What do you think the charge was? Murder again. Candler, the lawyer who had defended him at his first trial, was now the judge on the bench. At the conclusion of the trial, the jury rendered its verdict, and they said, guilty! The judge ordering the condemned man to stand up for his sentence. Judge Chandler said, at your first trial, I was your lawyer, but today, I am your judge. 
the verdict of the jury, true story, makes it mandatory for me to sentence you to be hanged by the neck until you are dead, dead, dead. See, we like to think of God as advocate, lawyer, defender, grace giver, and he is all that. But did you also know that the Bible declares that God in the form of Jesus Christ, we know there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but in the Bible, the Bible declares it very clear that God, Jesus, is, has judgment, wrath, and anger. Time after time, Jesus warned. He said this in Matthew 12, 36. And I tell you this, that you must give an account on the day of judgment for every idle word you speak. Jesus said this, the Son of Man will send his angels. Think about this. How many believe that Jesus can send angels? Do you all believe that this is a fairy tale or is this the truth? The Bible says the Son of Man, everybody say Jesus, will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will like gather these people up. They'll gather them and they'll throw them into a fiery furnace. Oh, pastor, you need to stop. I don't like thinking about God having a fiery furnace. Tough, tough. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to miss. And if you need to be dangled over the pit of hell today, getting your feet blistered with a little bit of fear of God, of his holiness, and a little bit of fear of his justice, then so be it. That's what we need today. You know, even with this message, er, not the staff, but everybody, the books I read and everything I studied on justice, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I hate this word, I'll be darned, I'll be, I'll be what? I'll be something. I, confused. I, I, whatever. I, I can't believe this. I, I, I was like, I can't believe this. Even in everything that you, that you study in justice, there's nothing about this justice that I'm talking about. It's all about, oh, we need to walk in justice for those that are, that are the, the, what, what they do in our society, for, for those who are hurting and those who are this. And the, I, I believe that. I believe that. And I'll hang myself right now with this statement. If somebody came to Church on the Rock that was an illegal immigrant, I wouldn't turn him in. Because I'm called as a church to take care of those kind of people. I would encourage them to get legal. And I'd, and, but I would feed them. I would clothe them. And I would help them. And I'd, I would help. Because I, I think that that's what I'm supposed to do. But, so everybody wants that kind of justice. But God wouldn't lead me to go with that kind of a message. And I think we hear that message too much personally. The message I want to say is God's a God of wrath. And right now, he can be advocate and saver, savior and defender. And even when you die and go meet the Lord, he can still be, it can be a throne of grace or it can be a throne of condemnation. It can be a throne of heaven where you get put into heaven and you're rewarded or it can be a throne that you're trembling and you're giving your sentence to where Jesus looks at you and says, I was advocate for you. 
for years and years and years and years. And you turned your back on me and you never gave me a time of day. I'm sorry, but I have to be judged now. And brothers and sisters, there is an eternal hell. There is an eternal hell. There is, I I don't care if you like it or not. There's things that I may not like about the Bible. To be honest with you, I struggle with things in the Bible. I struggle with things like this. Why did it have to be blood? I, I mean, when you think about forgiveness in the Old Testament, man, they slaughtered hundreds of sheep. I mean, I, I, I raise sheep. I, I don't like... Do, do you know we butchered our own... Nobody likes to kill anything. And, and so you're like, why? And, and so you get all these questions. Why, why blood? Why, why Jesus have to do that? And I, I got to where I just quit thinking about all that because I can't change it. That's the way it is. And I, I, I maybe, maybe can't, won't ever, ever be able to explain it to people. Maybe that's one way get it get totally when we get to heaven and I'm sure some of you scholars are sitting here thinking you know the answer but you probably don't even know either you think you know everybody thinks they know but there's a lot of things there's a lot of things I want to tell you this hell's eternal when Jesus do you know Jesus talked about hell way more than he talked about heaven way more he said, it, he said that it's a place where the worm never dies. You know what that means? It means it's eternal. It, it, it never stops. And you say, well, how's that? God, how's God loving? We, well, he is because he's making a way for you right now. If you go to hell, it's your own fault. It wasn't his fault. He did everything he could. He's done everything he can. Okay. Do you know this scripture here where we was looking at this? The son of man's going to send angels and they'll throw them into that fiery furnace. Put that scripture back up, please, in Matthew 13. They'll throw them in that fiery furnace where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said that. Do you know what he's quoting right there? He's quoting an Old Testament scripture. And he's telling them about the valley of Gehenna. Jesus said, hey, I want to kind of tell you guys what hell's like. And the only thing I can give you an image or a picture of what hell's like that you guys might understand, it would have to be the Valley of Gehenna. And they were like, okay, Jesus, what's the Valley of Gehenna? And he said, well, the Valley of Gehenna was this. They worshiped a God named Moloch. This is true. You can read it in your Bible. They worshiped a God named Moloch. And, and what they did is they would sacrifice infants to the God Moloch for their sins. Let me ask you this, brothers and sisters. Isn't it interesting that pagans and ungodly people even do things because they know they're guilty and they know they need to be forgiven? Y'all with me? When we talk about the justice of God, you know it's built in every human being. It's built in every human being that, that you know right from wrong. The Bible even says, uh, we do have the law. We do have the law to where the law tells us what's right and wrong. If you got to have a government, you got to have laws. God's government has laws. And for us New Testament people that say, Christ, now listen, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came and fulfilled the law. But there's still law. He still says, New Testament, don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Honor 
Don't have any other God before him. Guys, those are still kingdom laws. Don't forsake the Sabbath day. Keep a day holy unto the... Those are still kingdom principle and kingdom law, okay? They're, they're, they're still there because God is a king with a kingdom and a good governor has to have a government. But listen, what Jesus did... Here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy it. I fulfilled it. What it is, is none of us can keep the law. Can anybody out here keep the law? How many break the law every day? Jesus even, hey, listen, the law of Moses, and let me throw this in, the Sermon on the Mount. How many know what the Sermon on the Mount is? The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Really, listen to me, really, the Sermon on the Mount is a tougher message from Jesus than the law of Moses. It's tougher. It's even a tougher. Because the law of Moses said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Period. Jesus said, yeah, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I'm even going to take it a little bit further. This isn't in the Old Testament. He said, if you even look, look at that girl, looking on the computer. Whoa, baby, look at that going now. Hey, women and men, Jesus took it a step. Don't you tell me, don't you tell me that you never thought another man's husband or another man. Don't tell me that thoughts haven't ever went through your feeble minds because they do everybody's. Jesus said, if you even think about a woman, woman, if you even think about a man, women, do you know how many women get confused when they see a preacher? When their husband isn't treating them right at home? And they see what they think's a godly man and someone that's everything. God, man, they're amazing just because you don't know that the preacher's just like you and he puts his pants on just like you do. But you think, oh, he's everything. He prays. He loves the Lord. Oh, if I could just have a man like that. Happens all the time. You don't even have to be handsome or beautiful to carry the pulpit. At Bible college, it said one of the biggest things to be careful with preacher, man, male or female, is people get confused when their lives are confused and they, because they see the love of God, they think they love you, but really it's, the, it's God in them that they love and they get confused with that emotion. If you even, Jesus, I, I want to make it so tough because nobody even keeps the law, but Jesus even made it tougher. He said, if you even look, if you even look, the Sermon on the Mount is much tougher. All the law was to do is to say, by God, you need a Savior. When Jesus came and did the Sermon on the Mount, all that was is, hey, Mr. Righteous or Mrs. Righteous, you need a Savior. Everybody needs a Savior. And don't think that you have to go sin a lot to love God a lot. Everybody with me? My wife 
in comparison of her account of sins from when she was a baby till 50 years old. I just told you how old she is. If you think that her account is much smaller than my account on sins and mistakes and wrongs, then you would be very right. Her, she lived it. She doesn't have the testimony. I went out and smoked dope and been with every guy that had jeans and, and, and drank till I couldn't walk. And she don't have that testimony. She has a testimony, I found Jesus at a tender age, and I'm not even real sure what it was, but I never left him. Squeaky clean. Me? Holy smoke, God of heaven, help us. I was a good sinner. Man, I, I, blew, I still blow it. I, I blow it all the time. I blow it every day. Don't I, Izzy? The other day, I blew it right in front of Izzy and his wife. And she was, I got an email, a nice email, thank you. Usually when I get emails, I'm like, oh my God, please. But it was beautiful. She called me on the carpet on something. And you know what? I don't squirm. I don't squirm and I don't try to get out of something when I know it's right. I say, you're right. How and where that come, came from? Okay? You're wondering what I did? I'm not going to tell you. I'm wanting to tell you because you'd laugh because you've done it too. All right? But Jesus took it to the next level. And Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus, oh, but my, my, my wife, you see, you're, you're like, well, pastor, then she, according to Scripture, whoever's forgiven much is able to love much. I'll challenge you on that. She loves God just as much as I love God. In fact, neither of us boast on our love for God. We boast on his love for us. Amen. We learned that a couple weeks ago. But point is, you don't have to go sin a lot. Here's the difference. It's knowing who you are and what you are. Knowing. Knowing. Don't think too much of yourself. The scripture says, a man ought not to think of himself more highly than he ought to. When you start getting some things right, so, you know, in, in church we get, well, we don't do this, 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 and this, and we get this spiritual arrogance. And, and we know more word, and we, pr- we know how to pray to where, guys, we compete, and we look down, and we still put people in different places, and we think we're here. And then a lot of us will hide it in a false humility. Oh, I'm so this in God. But a lot of people that say, oh, I'm such a miserable worm in the Lord, actually, they don't think that. It's a false humility. And that's pride too. Are you all with me? Let me, let me, let me tell you just a couple more things. When you're a believer, you don't experience the wrath and the anger and the condemnation of the Lord. You don't. What? 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 No. Believer, you do not have, God's not angry with you. 
Bring me that other Bible, please, dear, in the, in the, in the brown. Yeah, God's not angry with you. He's not angry with you. He's not mad at you. He, he doesn't want to, I want to put my wrath on you. Mm-mm. Well, some of you is like, well, I feel like he is. Hey, here's, listen, I'm going to give you something powerful right here. Wasn't even in my notes, but we left them a long time ago. All right? Here's what he does do. God does not reserve wrath and anger for the believer. He disciplines them. It's discipline. It's discipline. Hey, guys, pull that scripture up there in the booth. Pull that scripture up way at the end. Way, I mean, it may be the last scripture. It may be the very last scripture. I think it is. The Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. Look at this. Will you read this with me? And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? Guys, I proudly wear a shirt in my closet that says, I survived the wooden spoon. (laughs) How many know what I'm talking about? How many survivors of the wooden spoon do we have out there today? Come on now. And guess what? Dr. So-and-so said that if you spank the child with a wooden spoon, you're going to hurt his intelligence. Well, maybe that did do something to my... (laughs) Hey, I I survived that. Let me tell you, everybody look at me in this. When I think of my mom and my dad, I I can't think of one time. I can think of a couple times when my brother beat the fire out of me. I remember one time my brother locked me in a dog pen and said, don't you ever, in football, in football, I was a sophomore, my brother was a senior, and the coaches, right during the middle of practice, they'd blow the whistle, Woo, blow the whistle, and they, they'd yell, Kabuda! and you'd just hit somebody. I, wait, I was a freshman, and my brother was a senior. I took a cheap shot on my brother. I ran through and leaped through the air and tackled him and was on top of him. So the freshman was on top of the senior that was a starting athlete. And when we got home, my brother locked me in the dog kennel. He said, hey, come here, little brother. I thought we was buds, man. Just a week before he, well, I don't even want to tell you what he did do me the week before. My brother introduced me to drinking. But anyway, but anyway, he, he locked me in the dog pen and he said, he locked it. And then it just turned from nice brother to he beat the tar out of me and said, don't you ever. Okay, I can remember a few beatings from my brothers where they were angry and had wrath. But you know what? I can't for the life of me. I can't think of a bad memory with my dad nor my mom about discipline. Listen. But I was disciplined a lot. But the discipline provoked good behavior. My mom, my dad would put the finger on the chest. 
My dad would say, straighten up. There were times I may have wanted my mom and dad to be more understanding and more caring and more, I may have wanted that. But that's why they were the parent and I was the kid. Because they knew when to be tough on me and they knew when to not be tough on me. You know, when I used to discipline our kids, nobody enjoys discipline. I just want the lesson to be learned and the behavior to be modified and the change to happen. That's all I want. There were times that I got the answer before the discipline. There were some times I had to go through the discipline just because you need to go through with it. And there were times I said, hey, you got the discipline. Get out of jail free. You got it. Why suffer? Who God loves, bring that scripture back up. Believers, don't forget the encouraging word. He speaks to you as children. My son, don't make light of God's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. Next scripture. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And he punishes each one that he accepts as a child. Guys, there's just a difference in discipline and wrath. There will be a day of wrath. And there will be a day of justice. Um, I wished I would have gave you notes so you could study all that stuff. But you don't have them. There will be that day. But right now, he's an advocate. And right now, if you're a believer, he's not mad at you. KJV, if you guys don't care. Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. How many know what Isaiah 53 is? What Isaiah 53 is what? By your stripes, you're healed. Isaiah 53 is like the number one scripture in the whole Old Testament that tells way before Jesus came exactly what he was going to do, called a prophecy about Jesus. Isaiah 53 is like the best prophecy about the cross in the whole Bible. Okay, Isaiah 53, it's like number one about telling about Jesus coming, okay? Isaiah 54, right after the cross. Look at Isaiah 54, look at verse seven. KJV, please. KJV, King James Version, please. It's just the way I learned it. Not even New King James. Do you have KJV? That's okay. All right, listen to me maybe more than the screen if it messes you up. For a small moment, I've forsaken thee, but in great mercies, I'm gonna gather you. In a little wrath, God said, in a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. But listen to this. But with everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Look at verse nine. Powerful. Look at verse 9. For this is as the waters, for this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For I have sworn, the Lord says, I have sworn 
that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn. How many believe when God swears, it's a big thing? Y'all, here's what God's doing. He, 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 he's saying, hey, I know for a little while I was angry with you. And, and you're just doing all this stuff. But I'm, I'm sending Jesus because I'm going to establish an everlasting covenant of kindness with you. Are you all with me on this? And then, he, and then he started saying this. I want to liken this to a story that they all know. This kindness I want to have for you, I want to liken it to the story of Moses that all of you grew up hearing. How many know the story of Moses? The story of Moses is that man was so sinful that all they could do was think about sin day and night and, and they were consumed in sin. There was, they were reprobate and weren't ever going to change and there was a wickedness and an ungodliness all over the earth to where, where God had to hide his face from it. It was so ugly and it was so despicable. That's why he did it. And then he put Noah, a righteous man, he put him in an ark, and the ark, when you hear coming to the ark, that means coming to the safety of Jesus, coming to Jesus, coming to this ark. Guys, we're all out there in an evil, wicked world, and we're partaking in wickedness and evilness, and a call's going out to come into this ark for safety because there's a day of judgment coming. There's a day of wrath coming. There's a day, Jesus said, with Noah, he flooded the earth. He flooded the earth. And he said, I'm never going to flood the earth anymore. And what do you give us in the, in the sky? A rainbow. And what are we supposed to think about when you see a rainbow? God's grace, his love and his mercy and his kindness, his everlasting covenant with us. But God's going to destroy this earth again. It's not going to be with water. It's going to be with fire. That same thing is going to happen again. Will you be in the ark of safety? Or will you be clawing on the sides, yelling, let me in? Will you, I believe people pulled that ark like an, a wild animal to where their fingernails were gone and skin was coming off their hands and they were crying out, let me in, let me in. Moses preached an out, 120 years to come into the ark and nobody would listen. I'm telling you, there's a preaching going forth from God's pulpit that the end is near. Come into the ark, come into the safety. There's a day of wrath, there's a day of judgment, there's a day of justice where every man will stand before God and give an account. And right now Jesus is advocate, but someday he's going to be a judge who will give the sentence to everybody. There's two appointments that you won't miss. It's appointed to a man, one to die. And then the second appointment that you won't miss is judgment. You're going, how many miss appointments? You will not miss that appointment. No one will. The Bible even says in another scripture I had where they were hiding in caves and they were hiding in racks and they were hiding in caves and they were hiding where they were because this day had come. And they said, we fear the one who sits on the throne because he's coming with great fury and wrath. When you start thinking about that, is that 10 minutes in the back seat of the car worth it? 
Is that putting every single thing else in front of God worth it? We live our lives to the fullest and we stick God on the back burner all the time. We say, oh, we would never worship another image. We worship other images with our actions on a daily basis. We worship other gods. We're just too dumb to know it. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us. All of us have gone astray to and are lost. All of us. I raise sheep. I raise sheep. The similarities of sheep and how God talks about human beings are so close. I'm not kidding. But this picture, for as the waters of Noah unto me, for I, as I have sworn that the waters of Noah shall no more go over the earth. Listen to this. So have I sworn, listen to this, that I would not be angry with thee, nor rebuke thee anymore. The Hebrew word for rebuke is not to correct. God still corrects us. Rebuke is a word that means to condemn you. In other words, people that come to God, listen, we were talking about discipline. You, how many believers do we have today? Are you a believer? God's not mad at you. I want you to leave with that. He's not angry with you. He doesn't want to have wrath with you. If you blow it every day, just lift your hand up and say, I blow it every day. And say, I'm trusting in the... I'm not trusting I can fulfill the law. Jesus didn't come. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He came and fulfilled the law. Colossians chapter 2 says that God fulfilled all the righteous requirements. Jesus fulfilled all the righteous requirements. Everything you think you're supposed to do, Jesus fulfilled it. And he put the Holy Spirit in you. So that he put the Holy Spirit in you so that the life that's best for you, that you want to live, he put himself in you and he gave you the power to help you do it. But if you're not doing it and you're not succeeding real at it, he's not saying, oh, I can't wait to send that believer to hell. No, you, you need to be confident. In fact, as the musicians are coming, I could go forever on this topic. I can go forever. Justice is a tough one because there's, there's so much on it. Guys, listen. He, he is not like, oh, I can't wait to strike some people with some justice. And, and I can't wait to, listen. I want, I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this. Please hear this. If you want to understand if you want to understand, I'm, on, I'm talking to believers right now. If you want to understand and you don't want to be afraid of God, I don't want you to be afraid of God today. Believers, if you're in here without Christ, I want you to be afraid. Because there, there's, there's a judgment day coming. And if you don't have Jesus, you're in big trouble. Okay? But if you're a believer, I don't want you to be afraid. And I want you to be angry. I don't want you to confuse discipline with wrath. Wrath and discipline. God does discipline. He does correct, but he does children. He corrects his children because he loves you and he wants you to be good children. He wants you to help you, all right? Now listen, 
Here's another thing I want you to know. Hebrews chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 4 are the very best on this, understanding this. Understanding God as being in your skin. Hebrews chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 4, read them. Those two scriptures tell you how God came and he lived in a body just like you do. And so he knows the temptations you're having. He knows the emotions that you have. He understands. He knows loneliness. He knows depression. He knows anger. He knows letdown. Jesus came in a body. All you with me? He came. The reason God coming in the flesh was so important, here's why, is because now we have a God that we can say he truly understands what I'm going through. How many does it irk you when somebody that's filthy rich or something, say they're filthy rich and they come act like they know what it's like that you don't have enough money to buy groceries? You're like, you don't know where I'm at. Here's another one. When, when people go through things, I've learned this as a pastor. If, if, if somebody's been, I'm gonna use a real tough one. If somebody's been raped, I can't sit here and say, oh, you know, I know exactly how you feel. Oh, I just, I don't. But here's what's cool about Jesus. He does. He knows. He lived in a body. He in all way was tempted. He in every way was tested. He every, there's not one thing that you say that Jesus can't understand. So, Here's how I want you to think of God. I don't want you to see him as angry at you or that you let him down and he's frustrated with you. I want you to do see him, though, that you need to respect him and he is holy and that he is just and you may need to straighten up. Are you with me? And you may be getting discipline of the Lord. You may be, but he's not mad. He is a sympathetic, understanding God that in all ways knows what you're going through. And that's why it says, so you can come boldly to the throne of grace. When I, I'm not worried about, I'm not, even First John chapter four, I'm not worried about standing before God. You're not? No. Because the Bible says there's no, there's no, there's there's fears made perfect. There's no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear. And it says so that we can have confidence to stand before him in the day of judgment. I'm confident. But I'm not, I'm, I'm a sinner. Without the grace of God, I'm putting hell wide open. Jesus, I worship you with everything. Okay. Lord, honestly, I think I've been getting disciplined on some things the last couple of weeks. And it feels like he might be mad at you a little bit. But it's not. Anybody ever felt like your parents were mad at you? But they weren't. They're just disciplining you. They're correcting because they love you. But, believer, we can come boldly to a throne of grace anytime, anywhere, any place. And you will find mercy and help. God never pushes away a broken spirit. I always say this, I give law to the proud, grace to the humble. If people are haughty and they haven't got it, give them the law. If you think, when I sense 
that's when I knew how to discipline my kids with the rod, is when it was spirit and it was defiance. When I ever sensed spirit, that's when the rod came out because you break that spirit with the rod. You can't talk it out. You can't time out it out. But when I'm broken before God, a kind, sympathetic, gentle, loving Savior comes and He picks me up and He throws Himself over me and He holds me and He says, I understand where you're at. I don't condemn you. I'm not angry with you. Look at the rainbow. I'm never going to be up. You can't frustrate me, Brian. I, you can never frustrate my grace. I love you so much. I don't care if I have to forgive you a hundred times. Your spirit's for me. Your heart's for me. Yeah, you uh, screw up at times, but I know you love me. Man, I get that kind of a reception from the Lord. But it's when I think I'm all that, he's like, anybody been flipped in the ear with by your parent? Anybody had the look? God does that too. All right. Well, I think that's balanced. I, I, I personally am going to, Go home today feeling good. I think that's balance. And don't, don't, yeah. Here's the way I'm going to give the altar call. One is if you are here and if you died right now, just like Carmen's friend did, if you died right now, because it's an appointed to a man to die, There's two appointments. I think it's Hebrews 9.26 or something. There's two appointments. One is you're going to die. And then the second thing, judgment. That's the next one. Don't get those things reversed. Don't die without taking care of what you need to to stand before God. With every head bowed, nice. For more information and to stay up to date with what's happening in the life of Church on the Rock, please visit us on the web at cotrag.org. Thanks again for tuning in.